Dylan. Mate, first time emceeing here at Lyft. Great work, mate. You are awesome and you are going to make an incredible dad. I reckon where's Elisa and she's going to be an awesome mum. Come on, why don't we encourage these guys? So good. Hey, well, I'm excited this morning. Ooh, I'm like in worship, I'm jumping out of my skin. I'm excited to preach this morning. Um, so I hope you're here to receive a word from God because I believe that He wants to speak to you. He loves you. Can I tell you that? He loves you. And so, of course, you talk to the people you love, right? And so He wants to talk to you today. Before we get started in the Word, um, I just want to uh, raise your awareness about something. Um, it's February. Can you believe it? Incredible. Um, and so with February, for many of you, if you've been a part of Lyft for, you know, a couple of years even, um, you would know that every February we are part of a huge week that takes place at our local university called Curtin. Um, and it's called O-Week. I think we might have a slide for uh, Zupa Dupas there. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's very retro. Good job, Pastor Nate. Um, I love it. But what we do every uh, year, what we do is, is we go onto campus um, at Curtin University under, um, we've partnered with this organisation called Red Frogs and basically Red Frogs goes into all these places where there are students to bring the life and the hope of Jesus Christ and to bring a good positive, but I believe that it's more than just being positive, it's a godly influence to these different spheres. And so we do that at Curtin University and um, so in week we're going to be there we're going to be armed with zuper dupers um, with wall planners with red frogs and we're basically using these things as tools to actually connect with students you see throughout the year we get to be on campus as a support to students now Pastor Nate actually gave me a really great illustration just to help you understand what we do but um, he has uh, built this herb garden at home. So there's a bit of a new hobby that he's undertaken. And um, recently he had to put these stakes right up close to the tomato plants so that they can grow strong and they can grow in the right direction. Now, I kind of see us, uh, whenever we go onto campus, we're like those stakes. We're there to bring support. We're there to bring the right kind of support to students so that they can grow in the potential that God has given them. They can grow in the gifts and the purposes and I believe the destiny that God is calling them to. But they can't do that unless they have the influence of Christians who know our Heavenly Father. And so we get opportunities to go on campus and to provide support to our students. So if you would like to be a part of that, whether that's bringing a pack of Zupa Dupas, uh, which are icy poles, by the way. Yeah, I remember that last year people were like, um, I'll, I'll bring them, but what are they exactly? So Zoo Dupas are icy poles and you can get them, um, I think it's like near the shaker pancakes and stuff at Coles and Woolworths. But if you want to grab a pack of those during your grocery shop, bring them next Sunday or the Sunday after the 9th and the 16th of Feb um, and together we'll use those as those tools um, throughout O-Week. But if you want to actually be involved with O-Week, that is the 17th to the 21st of February. Um, if you're free during the day, come see Nat after the experience. Nat, can you give us a wave? This is the lovely Nat, um, and if you are interested in volunteering during the day for that, go and see her and have a chat about that. Awesome. So that's an opportunity coming up that we're really excited for here at Lyft. Now, are you ready for the Word of God? 
Awesome. Sandy's ready. She's like, hurry up already. All right. <laughs> Just a little intro, Sandy. Can you take it? Um, <laughs> so we are in this new series called Life. Just clear and simple. It's called Life. We're going to be talking about the life that we have in Jesus Christ for the whole of February. Now, I'm so excited because for the last probably couple of years, particularly last year, we were very deliberate in um talking about the life of Jesus. But what occurred to me is that we never really unpacked what that exactly meant. We made it a hallmark of our church. John 10.10, it's our favourite scripture here, talks about how Jesus came to give real and eternal more and better life. And you know, what occurred to me was that we would say this scripture over and over again, but we never took the time to unpack what does this life mean? And so this month, oh, you do not want to miss a Sunday this month because we're going to be unpacking the life that Jesus promises you and I. And so it's really important that we get that as Christians so we can live it out and be transformed by it. So we're going to begin today, and I believe that my purpose in all of this is just to lay a foundation, to um, help us understand just a few things about this life that we find in Jesus. And I've titled this message, Read the Fine Print, but it's only probably about a quarter or a third way in will you understand why I've titled it that. So I hope that, you know, whets your appetite a little bit. All right. So let's begin. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Come on, we love that. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Now, this is one of those scriptures, right? I think maybe before you give your life to Jesus, this is probably one of those scriptures that we hear spoken about and quoted quite a bit. It's scriptures like this that we're like, yeah, absolutely. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow him. Often we hear the testimony or see the example of Christians in our world live out this different life. Maybe for some of you, how you came to know Jesus personally was because you saw a friend or a family member be completely transformed by God's love and by Jesus's life and you saw that and you're like I want that I don't I don't love the life that I'm living right now I want that quality of life and so that can sometimes be the reason why we actually give our life to Jesus and exchange it for his in the first place but you know often what is followed by that is what I like to call a honeymoon period who, you know, you kind of understand what I mean. So as Christians, sometimes we're all excited, and this was definitely my journey. I was all excited about this newfound joy and this love that I had uh, between me and God, and, and no one could burst that bubble. I was riding that high for a good long time. But, you know, after that bubble started to dissipate a little bit more, I was kind of hit with the reality that in some ways I hadn't actually changed. There were some things that I still continued to struggle with. And as a young teenager, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was struggling severely with this self-confidence, with self-esteem, not thinking I was beautiful enough, not thinking I was good enough for people's attentions, affections and love. And, you know, after I came out of that high of being saved, I'm a Christian, those issues started to come back. And I'd begin thinking those thoughts again. And, and that's just one example of, of how I thought I had changed. But really that change 
felt like, you know, it, it never actually happened. There was no evidence for this change that was meant to happen when I gave my life to Jesus. And, you know, if you're here this morning, I, I really believe that what God wants to say today is to encourage you, to help you to see the transformation that has taken place in your life, the moment, in fact, that you called upon Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. You know, we look at all these external factors for the evidence of transformation in Christ, for this evidence of life. But, you know, I believe when we look externally, we're actually looking at the wrong place because we might not find transformation or evidence out there in the things that we do, maybe in the thoughts that we think, but we certainly have had a transformation take place on the inside of us. And it's located in this place called our spirit. You see, our spirit is the part of us that communes with God, that has relationship with God. And what happens because of sin is that that part dies. You know, I, I feel like I've unpacked this a little bit, but we've got a short video clip. It's about 40 seconds long, but I want you to tune into that because it just gives you a quick um, a thought around how we actually came to being what we will call spiritually dead and spiritually alive. Do we have that clip? No clip? Oh, okay, all good. Absolutely all good. Okay, so so what happens because of sin? Um, and as I mentioned, I felt like I've spoken about this before because we've unpacked the account of Genesis. So what we know is that Genesis is the first book of our Bible and what happens in Genesis is the creation of the world. God creates this world that is beautiful, that is perfect, that only life exists. There is no death because there is no sin. And what he does is that he creates human beings, Adam and Eve, and he calls them good as well. But unfortunately, what happens is that Adam and Eve are d disobedient to God. And that's what ushers in sin. That's what ushers in this state of actually being spiritually dead. And so that's something that we, each and every one of us, because the Bible says that we've all fallen short, of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of the mark that he set for us. We all fall short of perfection. And that's why we all need to come to terms with our spiritual reality, our spiritual status. Are we dead in our sin or are we alive in Christ? It's something that every human being, because every human being has a spirit that wants to connect with God, that was made, wired to connect us with God. But if we are spiritually dead, it means that we can't do anything to have right relationship with God. What we need is to actually become spiritually alive. We've got that clip now. We'll play that. Thanks, guys. Evil and death enters into God's good world. 
So that clip there shows the evidence of what happened when the first human beings fell, when they sinned, when they fell short of God's standard, when they disobeyed him. You could see the corruption through the landscape and that things that were living then became dead. But what is more than that, than the creation and all the external things that were created, it was actually our spirit that became dead to God. But the hope is that God, He always had in His heart to be in relationship with us. That's why He created us. That's why He created everything as good. And so even though humanity fell in that kind of a way and there was that spiritual death that we now have to deal with, God saw that and He knew a way to deal with that. And that's where Jesus comes in. His death on the cross, He took the the payment of sin for us and He made a way that we could go from death to life. Now, for a lot of us, uh, when we become Christians, you know, we're still dealing with uh, feelings of being disconnected to God. What I want to point out here is that when we are in that state of being spiritually dead, it's not a feeling, it's a fact. But the good thing is that when we are spiritually alive in Christ, when we've given our lives to Jesus for His Lordship and His leadership of our life, it means that it's not a feeling that can change. It means that it is a fact. It's a status that we actually step into. We go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We go from the kingdom of death, spiritual death, to the kingdom of life in Jesus Christ. And so that is a decision that's an important decision that each and every one of us need to make throughout our journey. And for many of us in this room, we have made. And so this morning, Christian, I want to tell you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. There is now no Uh, uh, even when you feel condemned, even when you feel guilty, your status is that you are alive in Christ, that you are a part of His kingdom. And so what I want to spend time unpacking today is actually what that being alive in Christ means. How in that moment you've gone from darkness to light, from death to life, What takes place? Because if we can't really see externally, we might not have that change that's taken place in our life. How can we know that there has been that transformation on the inside? And this is where the Word of God tells us. But this is also where we actually need to activate our faith. How we uh, even begin to experience and know about the life that Jesus has given us is by actually trusting in God's Word, is actually trusting in what God says about me is true. And so my prayer for each and every one of you this morning is as we go through these different statements, these different scriptures about who we are in Jesus, I want you to take that on. I want you to place your faith in God. I want you to say, God, I trust in this statement of what you say about me. Because then, it's then that you can walk in it, you can live in it and have the life of Jesus actually permeate your whole life. All right, so are we ready? Are we ready? Awesome. Okay, so before we get into uh, the first statement here, I want to just 
um, unpack a little bit why I wanted to call this message, Read the Fine Print. You know, as I was preparing this, I really sensed that God was saying, look, all of this stuff is actually in the Word of God. All of this stuff is in the Bible, this letter that I've written to you. But until you take the time to read it, you actually won't know what your rights are, what your status actually is relationally before God. You know, none of us like to read the terms and conditions or the fine prints in any contract that we, you know, who loves to do that? Who, anyone? No? You know, and online, we always check that little box that to say that we have read the terms and conditions, but we're all liars because none of us do, right? We just check it and say that we have. Of course, because terms and conditions are fine print. It's tedious. It's full of language that we don't even understand. And it takes too long to go through. And you know what? Just being real, being honest, can I be real? Reading the Word of God can be like that. It can be tedious. It's full of language that we don't understand. But unless we want to go forward with our journey here in this world and with God with confidence, unless we want to go forward knowing what our rights are and how to live out this life in Christ, we have to read the fine print. And so this morning, I want to kickstart this journey for you going back and reading the fine print that is in the Word of God, because really, it's only going to be there to encourage you. It's only going to be there to lift your spirits and actually to give you hope and to give you life. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. So you're ready to go on this journey? Awesome. All right. We'll keep you accountable. No, I'm joking. All right. So the first statement, if you're taking notes, I want you to write, Jesus has redeemed me. Jesus has redeemed me. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Now, I want you to imagine this. So if you're comfortable, I want you to actually close your eyes and use your imagination to actually understand what this means, that Jesus redeems you. So if you want to close your eyes, you can do that. But what I want you to do is picture yourself in a court of law. You're not there for anyone else, but you are the one that is on trial for all the sins you've ever committed. And there's a video showing of you actually committing sins that you weren't even aware were sins. There's this reel of your life flashing before your eyes as all of these things that you've done all of these things that you haven't done that you should have done are being read out to you and being shown to you on a screen. Just picture that for a moment. You know you're guilty and you're starting to sense that. You're feeling a little bit hot, a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit stressed. You know you're guilty. Everyone in the room knows you're guilty. And then you look up and you see who is sitting on the judgment seat. And then you start to begin to feel this overwhelming sense of dread as the God of the universe, the creator of all things, sits on the judgment seat. Everyone knows you're guilty, especially God. God sees your life from beginning to end in a single moment. He knows everything you've done, good and bad. He knows every single sin that you've committed. But the proceeding goes on and it's time for your defendant to speak their part. 
You haven't been given a chance to say your part, maybe to give uh, your excuses or or your part of the story as to why uh, those situations, you know, you did that thing or you said that thing. You haven't been given that opportunity yet, but it's your defendant's turn. And your defendant's name is Jesus. And he stands up beside you and he says to the judge, Judge, this one is covered by my blood. They believe in me and we've made an exchange, you see. They've given their life to me and I have given my life to them in exchange. And then the judge looks at you and he makes his pronouncement. He says, Sandy, Sandy is found to be not guilty on all charges. With the bang of the gavel, the court is adjourned. You can open your eyes. That's what it means to be redeemed by Jesus. You see, when that status of being spiritually dead, when we change and become spiritually alive, in that instant, you have been forgiven of every sin you've ever committed and of every sin that you're committing now in the present and every sin you will commit in the future. It has all been forgiven. That's what redemption is in Jesus Christ. And that's what... That's the transform, transformation, part of the transformation that happens when you exchange your life for Jesus's. That's part of it. All right, so Jesus redeems us. You know what Jesus also does? He cleanses us. If you're writing this down, Jesus cleanses me of sin. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He who is faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You see, not only are you pronounced forgiven, but the rags that you walked into that court of law with, God actually doesn't see you with those rags anymore, but He takes those away from you and He puts a garment that is as white as snow on you. You know, the Word of God says that though your sins be as red as scarlet, as scarlet, as scarlet, as red, I will give you a, a cloak. I will give you garments that are as white as snow. That's what Jesus does for us when we take on His life. And so you're in that courtroom. You have been forgiven, but you're also cleansed. The evidence, the evidence for your sin has been taken away. It has been removed from you. Christian, when you get a hold of this, it should bring you to tears because goodness and kindness like this, we don't experience it unless it's through this love from God. No one is ever this kind or this good to us that they would actually forgive us, but also say, hey, look, I don't even see that anymore. But that's what we get. That's part of the life that we receive when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour. God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. This morning, if you're standing here, feel, sitting here, in fact, <laughs> if you come into worship, you know, for, for some of you, I saw this picture as I was praying into this word that for some of you, you come in, maybe you're standing physically upright, but in spirit, you're bent over because you are ashamed. You're still wearing the garments that are stained from your sin. But God is saying, no, my child, I love you and I've washed you clean. There is no stigma. There is no stain. There is no stench of sin on you anymore. I want you to get that this morning. Instead, you're clothed in white like our Saviour and the aroma from your life is pleasing to the Father. 
He doesn't see you stained. He sees you forgiven and washed by the blood of Jesus. So Jesus forgives us. He cleanses us. Jesus also justifies us. In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You know, when we were spiritually dead, we had, this, we had a lack of relationship with God. We were hostile towards God. But when we become a spiritually alive in Jesus, we are forgiven, we are washed clean, but we also now stand in in a place of peace with God. So it means that any moment where we come into God's presence, we can come with confidence. We can come with boldness because there's nothing weird going on in our relationship between us and God. There's nothing there to separate us, but we have peace. We have this whole relationship. You know, that can be one of the most awkward things when you have to tiptoe around a person because you don't know where you stand with them. But with God, this is where we stand. We have peace. He's not holding you at arm's length. He's not holding anything uh, uh, against you. He wants peace. He wants you to know that there is peace, absolute peace. There is nothing separating you from the love that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus has justified you. So whenever you stand in the presence of God and you feel condemned, read the fine print. You have peace with God. You have peace with the Father. Jesus redeems us. He cleanses us. He justifies us. And through Him, we are adopted into a spiritual family. We're adopted into God's family. Romans 8, 15 to 16 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, which is Father, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you are a child of God. So not only are our sins washed away and removed, but we go from status of being lost spiritually to a status of being found. We are found by our Heavenly Father and we are brought in to this family that we were created to be in all along. You know, some of you know that Pastor Nate and I, we've been approved to be adoptive parents here in WA. And sometimes I catch myself fantasizing about that day where I will be in court with my child and with my husband. And we hear the judge say that it's all gone through. It's all been confirmed. You are officially a family. You know, I can imagine that that day is going to be full of celebration. It's going to be full of rejoicing because this child has the confidence that they're in this family. They're in this covenant. This is where they belong. They found home. And for you, Christian, today, God brings you into his family and he says, you are home. You are home. This is where you've always belonged. And I've seen the aching. I've seen your soul, that it has been weary before finding me, that it has felt lost. It has felt like it has no place to belong, no place of comfort, no place of that unconditional love. But when you receive Jesus, when you receive his life, you receive his family. Your status goes from lost to being founded. You are adopted as one of his own. For some of you, get the sense that you know that. It's head knowledge. You know that. You know you're adopted into God's family, but it's the acceptance of God. 
that's what you need to realize. And that's the second thing. We're not just adopted, but we are also accepted by this heavenly father. Ephesians 1.5 says, He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. You see, when God adopts us in, when he calls us found instead of lost, he's not doing that out of obligation, but it's out of this pleasure that he wanted to find you. He wanted to bring you in as one of his own. He says to you, that child, you're not an obligation for me, but I want you. I want to have relationship with you. Beck, I've been searching for you and you are found and I've been wanting relationship with you. Mitchell, I've been searching for you and you are found and we can have relationship now. Reese, I've loved you with an everlasting love and you are mine. You've always wanted to be wanted, you've always been wanted by me. You've never been an obligation. That's what God says to each and every one of us. You're not an obligation, child of God. No matter how you felt, maybe in society, maybe bosses, maybe even your own parents, you felt like an obligation. Your relationship with them is because it has to be. But God says, well, no, I call you mine because I wanted you. You are wanted, Christian. And so I want you to get a little bit tough with the enemy. When you are standing here in the presence of God, when you're lifting your arms in worship and you have this sense of, I don't belong here, I want you to start to talk back to that voice and say, well, actually, I've been forgiven. I have been cleansed. I have peace with God. I have every right to stand here. I have been adopted and it was because of His good pleasure. He brought me in. He wanted me. And that's why He sent Jesus to find me. Christian, come on. Sometimes we can just be overcome with those feelings of I don't belong. But that's where we talk back to those feelings with the truth from the Word of God. You are accepted. You belong here. You know, for some of us, we can say that with God, maybe in our quiet time with Him we feel accepted, but when we come into church, there's this weird discomfort that we have. Here, you are accepted. This is your family. This is where you belong. Amen? Amen. So God adopts us through Jesus. We are accepted through Jesus. And finally, we are given eternal life. I want to read this scripture to you. John 5.24 says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed, has passed, has passed, has passed from death to life. You know, this word eternal, we think it means lengthy life or life, 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 life of life, ongoing life. You know, Pastor David came and spoke to our leaders a little while back and he unpacked this word eternal, that it was simply a word used in the place of God because people were afraid to say God's name because it was holy. You, you just didn't do that. So they came up with this word eternal. So in Jesus, the life that we have is the God kind of life. And what it means is that we always have hope that we will never actually taste death again. We can live our lives with the hope, with the certainty, with the confidence that we will never taste death 
again because we have the life of Jesus in our very core, in our very being. We are alive in Jesus Christ. You know, that doesn't just have relevance for our eternal life as in when we pass from this earth into heaven. It's not just relevant for them, but if we have the very life of Jesus, the very life that raised Christ from the dead, that resurrection life within us, it means that whenever we are sick, we can declare healing. Whenever we are um, at differences, at odds with a person, we can declare peace. Whenever we are coming under that condemnation and that guilt, we can say, no, I have peace with God. I have been forgiven. And we can pray and we can ask the Father to to give us that resurrection life in those areas in our life. And He will. It's a promise from Him. We always have hope that in any situation, we can see the life of Jesus flow right throughout. And so these are just only some, some of the many aspects of what life in Jesus Christ, this life that He wanted to give us, actually means for us. And if you're a Christian this morning, it means that these things have already happened for you. You've already been forgiven. That's your status in front of God, forgiven. You are cleansed. You've been redeemed. You have peace with God. There's nothing between you. You've been adopted you've been accepted and you have this promise of the God kind of life in you, this resurrection power in you. You know, this morning it would be so insensitive, so improper for me to assume that every single person in this room has come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, who who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and is now spiritually alive. I don't want to take that risk. And so this morning... If that's you, if you know that maybe you've grown up in a Christian family, maybe you've been Christianized your whole life, but you yourself have never had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and called upon Him to be your Lord and Saviour, then in this moment, I want to give that invitation to you. So as the band comes up, I just love for all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray this prayer together. And it's a declaration that we want this life that Jesus died to give us. You can repeat this prayer after me. Pray, dear Jesus, thank you for meeting me here today. I confess that I've sinned against you. And I can't get right with you on my own. I ask for your forgiveness for all my sin. Thank you for dying for me and washing me clean. I give you my life and receive yours as my own. In your powerful name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, if you said that prayer for the very first time, everything that we've explored this morning... That's your new status. You've come from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive in an instant. All of those rights that I read out earlier, the fine print, that is yours because Jesus purchased that for you on the cross. And if you've made that declaration for the first time, then up the back this morning, we're going to have one of our elders with a few resources for you. It's to help you with your next steps. 
But this morning, what I sense, and so you can have a chat. It's my father-in-law, Peter. You can have a chat with Peter after the experience, and he'd love to have that conversation with you. But this morning, what I sensed, and and I had all these next steps prepared for each and every one of us. So I was like, so what's going to be your challenge this week? But what I sensed Holy Spirit say was that, no, no, the next step is to actually wait long enough to be still long enough and take in what has been declared over you. And so this morning, the band is actually ready to sing over you and just to declare again those promises and those rights that are yours in Jesus Christ about that life that is yours, that you have inherited, that you have received in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, what I want us to do is actually stand to our feet. And what I want you to do as the band sings over you is to actually contemplate, just to dwell in, just to commune with God and dwell in these rights that have been spoken over you, these promises. And you know, if that gets you excited, I want you to sing, I want you to clap your hands, I want you to rejoice. But you know what, if you need to be more reflective to take these truths in, you do that. Because I believe God wants you to know this. Don't rush off, but He wants you to be confident of all of these things that are available to you in the life of Christ. So come on, Ben, why don't you lead us? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.